Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Mantleband, as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Owen Morgan has announced his retirement from international cricket. We'll get the thoughts of his teammate and World Cup winner Mark Wood. England win a Test Series. We'll reflect on their 3-0 clean sweep over the World Test Champions New Zealand and hear from both Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes. Johnny Bairstow talks about the change in mindset within the dressing room after winning just one in 17 tests before this series. And Jack Leach reflects on his first career tenfer in test cricket. And we'll end the show by looking ahead to this week's rescheduled fifth test against India with former IPL batter Abhishek Jujumwala. Plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Well, amongst many current and former players from around the world paying tribute to Owen Morgan, here is uh, England's new test coach, Brendan McCullum. Time stands still for no man and you know what his impact that he's had on English cricket and also world cricket has been significant. Obviously, World Cup winner, but the story of him taking over and to where they've got to and now how cricket's played around the world, but also, um, you know, that's well documented, but also the players that he's brought through, that's some of the, the game's most exciting players, the superstars of the modern game, and they could only really get there. They might have got there anyway, but I think he got them there quicker because of the approach that he took, and he's a tremendous leader, a fine human being, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him and sharing a couple of reds and uh, and celebrating what's been a remarkable career as well. Brendan McCullum paying tribute to Owen Morgan. Harmy, we'll get your thoughts in just a moment. Uh, But for now, let's hear from the man himself, Owen Morgan. Owen, here we find ourselves... And thanks for talking to TalkSport, by the way. Uh, I suppose it's fitting, really. We're at Lords. We played your club cricket. You made your debut for England as a test player. And, of course, just behind you, emblazoned on the wall, is your face holding aloft the World Cup trophy. Um, uh, But here we are today. I mean, you've announced your retirement as captain, as international skipper. 
Can you tell us a little bit about where you were and what it was that made you make this life-changing decision? Yeah, I, I suppose for the last uh, three years I've been uh, very honest and open about uh, the day that uh, my journey will end with the England uh, white ball teams. Um, and that day has come. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people about the transition between, I suppose, uh, retirement and the rest and, and how they come to that decision and what it looks like. And, and the resounding answer from a lot of people was you, when you know, you know, or the feeling just hits you like a ton of bricks. And for me, that, that feeling came in, in Amsterdam last week. Um, it's a feeling that I've never had before. It's something that hit me quite hard and, and was, was quite a rough day. But, but given that I could find a way of, of understanding what it was and, and what it meant, made it a lot easier. And, and since that day, I've, I've been incredibly proud uh, about my playing career and captaining the the white ball sides for the last seven years has been an unbelievable privilege um to to lead a fantastic group of of great men and and people um and it's it's yeah it's it's made me content about about everything that's happened so i'm looking forward to the future i think the future of english cricket is incredibly exciting there's been some many important uh, appointments over the last month and a half uh, new red ball coach, new red ball captain, new white ball coach, and I'm sure the the appointment of the new white ball captain will will be an excellent one. Uh, we have some fantastic leaders. I think the cricket that we're playing in all three formats at the moment is incredibly positive. Um, we have a couple of World Cups around the corner that we've been preparing for. Um, so I'm incredibly excited sitting here as a fan at the moment. You've been described as the greatest uh, English limited overs captain of all time uh, you of course are the only person um, the only man to hold a men's world cup trophy aloft did captaincy always suit you did it did it always feel comfortable um i i tell you what it, it wasn't something that i ever thought that i wanted to do uh, it was something that happened and it happened at a time where you know we, we were on our bare bones as a team and, and we're going through a really, really tough time um, and I was appointed and it, it didn't get better quickly. It actually, um, you know, the 2015 World Cup, we, we were terrible and we got bundled out in the group stages and a, a lot of my lessons that I've learned and mistakes that I made were in that World Cup and being allowed, I suppose, or granted time to, to stay on post that World Cup is actually uh, been a hugely significant um, moment in, in my captaincy because having learned those lessons and been given the time to implement change of a significant scale has been hugely rewarding for uh, both white ball teams. Um, we got to the final of the 2016 T20 World Cup Champions Trophy semi-final 2017 and went on and won the uh, ODI World Cup in 2019 which is ultimate, was, was the ultimate goal and the ultimate plan um, and I would say if I went back to 2015 where I learned my most lessons as a captain uh, I would say I was a different man now than I was back then and it's important to recognise that you need to change with the team's needs you need to change with the personnel that you're working with um, and ultimately always have the team at the forefront of every decision that you're making Are there any secrets to success 
that you either knew from the start or you've learned along the way that you'd like to pass on? There's no secret. Um, I think knowing that from the beginning and accepting that the, there's a lot of hard and, and, and smart work to be done along the way is probably the secret. Um, there's no magic bullet, no magic dust. It is, it's, it is tough. And a lot of people actually nowadays talk about a well-balanced life and how they like to balance it. And the balance in, in, in achieving certainly things in my career have come at a, a huge sacrifice. And that's whether you're away from home for the majority of the year or away from your family. And, you know, in, in challenging times, um, it can be extremely tough. Um, and the balance is that you commit 100% to everything that you're involved in while you're there. So if you're away from home on a cricket tour for the majority of the year, you are engrossed in that 100%. And then when you get the opportunity to come home, you are engrossed in your family and engrossed in everything that you want to be. But certainly when it, the perception of being balanced is, is a bit of a tilted one. What are you going to miss? It might sound obvious, but over the last seven years, uh, I've been lucky enough to call some of some of the guys, well, majority of the guys in the team, my closest friends. Um, we've built some amazing memories. We've been through hugely emo- emotional moments, both both on the field and off the field. Um, and I will miss, you know, making memories like that again. Um, I will cherish every one of them, knowing that both I've given everything to the team and and to them over the years but but certainly I'll miss making more memories and when you look back and you were always from the outside looking in appeared to be a man with team first mentality and his eye on the prize but essentially were there ever moments when just to insert one name maybe Jason Roy was teeing off or Joss Butler was doing the same or Moeen Ali I mean whoever it was because there was quite a few of them or Joffrey Archer was bowling at 90 miles an hour was at any point you just sat there in the dressing room and you allowed yourself just that minute just to think God this is great this is (laughs) (laughs) to be honest there were so many of those moments and I think you know when you have a team or a squad that buy into collective goal uh, and, and it's unique in cricket because cricket, if you allow it to be, is an extremely selfish and individual sport. But if you get guys buying into a collective bowl or a goal or to play in a certain way, it is unbelievably powerful and lets you throw caution to the wind and take on risks that you might not previously have taken on. And our guys have done that. And there have been so many moments where Roy, Bairstow, Root, Butler... Ali, Stokes have all you know, taken some of the best sides in the world apart. Our bowling unit, Adil Rashid, tearing through somebody, Joffrey Archer, Chris Wokes, Dave Willey. Um, just the names go on and on and on about moments over the years that they've contributed. And I'm lucky to be a part of that and to recognise how special those moments were. Brilliant stuff, Owen. Well, I'm sure that your teammates have, uh, have given you a proper send-off, but from all cricket fans, you changed the game, you, changed, you made it better for us, so thank you very much and good luck for the future. Cheers, thank you, and a special mention to our fans as well. Without your support, you know, committing to 
all these things that we've done over the years would not be possible. So for, thank you very much. So Owen Morgan has announced his retirement from international cricket and surely will go down as one of the most influential and powerful and successful captains in the history of English cricket. We're joined now by uh, his teammate, I have to say former teammate now, I suppose, Mark Wood, England fast bowler and World Cup winner himself. Um, Woody, first of all, were, were you surprised and are you sad? Um, I was surprised. Um, I know most people said, oh, they could see it coming, but I thought that um, having the 2020 World Cup in sight, I thought that he might you know, go for that as well. And I thought, I don't know why, I just thought he would try and defend that 50 over as well. But if the time is right for, or he feels that I certainly, you know, respect his decision. I was a bit gutted, to tell you the truth, genuinely gutted, um, just because of the leader that he's been and, you know, what he's done for me and, and for our team. So I think that the natural feelings to, you know, to feel like that. But, um, you know, I can take comfort in the fact that he's made this decision, you know, himself. He's thought about it a lot and, you know, if it's if he feels it's the right decision for him, then you know I would certainly back that up. It's just you know sad as a team that we're losing you know our greatest leader. Has it come as a in the sort of last week or so that this this announcement was was on the cards? Because I don't think before the Holland series, I think anybody would have questioned that Owen Morgan would not be still England captain before the you know before the middle of the summer. Yeah. Um... Well, if I, when I think about it, I think, could he have gone on? I think probably, like as a captain, he was well-respected in the dressing room. I think, you know, certainly nobody, or certainly anybody I played with wouldn't go against anything that he'd said or wanted to do. It was sort of like, you know, whatever his decision was, he, he had fully respect from the lads. And you could see even in interviews, people were backing him up and, you know, were loyal to Morgie. And he's often been a guy that, you know, throughout his, when he's played, he's dipped out of form and then he's, all of a sudden, he's, he, he kind of stopped scoring runs. So I thought it was just, he was, you know, a, few, a couple of low scores in Holland. He'd be absolutely fine. He'll come back in the summer and he'll blitz it and then go into the World Cup. And that's just sometimes what happens. But I think the way that he sort of plays and stuff, it was always that them kind of scores sort of happen. So I think a bit of a shock. Um, maybe to a few people I know, he probably spoke to those closest to him. And I don't mean his family. I mean, you know, the ones in the team that he was real close to. I'm sure he spoke to Joss. Maybe even more Nally people like that who going forward might you know step into the role, but um, I'm I'm certain that he wouldn't have took it lightly. Um, I've never heard Morgie, even when he speaks, I've never heard him say. Um, a, 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 he's so clear on what he says and how he thinks that I'm sure that even this decision was you know straightforward for him and either either met it with clear vision. And take us into what it's like to play for Owen Morgan. You've stood there in the World Cup final. You've stood there in bilateral series, good times, bad times when things are going horribly wrong. There's a captain, just looks as though he's got a calm persona. Just take us into the, the insides of what it's like to play for Owen Morgan. Uh, spot on what you said, very level, very calm. Didn't, you know, there's been times where we've had where the coach would speak in a warm up or in a group huddle. And would turn to Morgie. Anything else? No, nothing from me. If he only tends to speak if he's really got something to say, um, or he feels it's important. And um, from my point of view, you know, I think he's always backed me and, and stayed loyal to me, even when I've gone through injury or, or times where I've struggled. He's always been someone to, to look after me. And on the field, if I'm getting a bit of tap or you know I'm getting whacked, he's he comes over, takes his, his time to speak to you, makes it clear. If the next ball goes for six, but you've tried to execute. He's fine with that. 
the only time I've gotten in a bit of trouble with Morgie is when I tried to volley one in the World Cup. He said, honestly, boss, you didn't need to do that. I was like, I am sorry, Morgie. <laughs> it's the first time I said that to say sorry to him. I felt awful. Left foot needs a bit of work. But um, <laughs> he, he was great. Nelly all the time with me, honestly, really spot on. He, um, someone that I, you know, I probably looked up to as a, as a captain, a person. I think someone that has interests away from the game. So he had a bigger perspective in general. It wasn't all cricket, cricket, cricket. He, he got to know you as a person. He, he Big family guy, um, loves his horse race and other things outside um, of cricket. So I think all those interests and, and a bigger perspective on life in general sort of helped me. His big pal, of course, is Brendan McCullum. He sh- sort of laid a template or foundation of how New Zealand played and how he moulded his team. That sort of time where we were looking for a fastball, our leg spin, our batsman that could take it on. Morgie had a clear pl- uh, plan and um, implemented that sort of thing and because them two are very similar characters you can see how the teams have sort of gone about things and a, a very calm and level person but somebody that was extremely driven and knew exactly what he wanted with a clear plan and focus and somebody who played with him for, for quite a bit and successful what do you think his legacy has been and will be remembered by the England supporters I think he'll be remembered as the best England captain ever yeah, very, very good. Yeah, I couldn't argue with that. I think he's been an amazing leader, an amazing man, and somebody who has transformed the game. And speaking of that, what have you made this week of somebody else you know very, very well? And that's Ben Stokes, who arguably is doing what Owen Morgan did in 2015 when he grabbed that white ball one day aside and he took it to a whole new level. Is this Benjamin doing the same? I think so. Um, you know, leading by example, leading from front. I mean, I still remember Morgan. There was one game we were we were struggling, um, I think it was against New Zealand, and he came in and he played a slog sweep and got caught on the line, second ball, and everyone was like, looking at each other as if, oh my God, is this the way we're really going to go about things here? I thought like, you might say, oh, like, just knock it around for a little bit. Like, But he was like, no, this is how we're going to play. We're going to take them on. If you feel like you can take someone down, take them down. I think that's the way Stokes, I mean, everyone was shocked when he was charging down the wicket and, and struggling. But he, I think he's put himself and his scores aside there. And he said, look, this is how I want my team to play. This is how I'm showing you the way. I train hard. We do this. I've got this mindset mentality. Um, and he wants people to follow that. And I think, you know, it could have easily been, oh, what's he doing there? And um, that was a bit of a strange shot or a, st- a strange decision. But actually, he's sent a signal to the rest of the lads. Look, it's not about me. It's about the team not being selfish, putting the team first. This is the way I want to play um, and this is the example I want to set. So um, good on him. And I would never have said, I mean, I'm always back in England no matter what, but 3 0, I was like, fuck, oh, against the best team. I don't know. If someone said 3 0, I'd be a bit like, mm, I'm not quite sure, but he's done very well. I mean, everything he touches turns to gold at the minute. Back to Owen Morgan. If loyalty was uh, one of the, the key watchwords of his reign, uh, he gave it and he expected it. He also, at the same time, wasn't afraid of making the hard decisions, was he? I mean, we get the impression that the players all knew exactly where they stood with him. Yep. Um, again, spot on. Everybody knew the rules. Everybody knew you know, how he wanted the team to go about things. He also wanted to know what kind of dynamic the team would have. It wasn't just, you know... I mean, we had... You think of the diversity. We had lad from Barbados, you know, lads from New Zealand, lad from South Africa. Like We, we had different cultures and Morgie embraced that whole group and got with to play together from all different areas, backgrounds, whatever. Um, so that just says a lot about him, how he can pull a team together, keep everybody on the same hymn sheet and pulling in the same direction to win that um, World Cup. But it wasn't just, I mean, the most pleasing thing about it is it's a, 
it's not just a one-off success as the World Cup. We we went through beating teams, you know, across the globe. I think we only lost to India away. We beat everybody else, and even that was a tight series. So I feel like him as a person, loyalty was a big thing. He backed these players, um, and you know, he wasn't afraid to make big decisions um, and leave people out if he if he didn't think it was the right fit or the or the right time for them to play. Certainly, you know, there's a couple of times when even if I thought I should play, and he explained to me why, when Morgie tells you it's a little bit more easy to accept because you're almost like, yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think, um, you know, because he carried that respect and he had that loyalty for you, um, you you give it back. And, um, you know, I would have run through a brick wall for Morgie if he, if he wanted me to. Woody, can I just rewind three minutes? You said he was, we would be remembered as the, the greatest England captain of all time. Um, yeah. That, I mean, there have been <laughs> there have been lots of very successful England captains. Um, what, what is it particularly that you think that that makes him stand out above all the others? I, ju- I just I just feel that that you know I can't be any more plain than that's how I feel. Um, it's the first thing that comes to my mind. I think you know I've played under some great captains. Alistair Cook was a great captain. Paul Collingwood was a great captain. Um, Joe Root was a great captain. You know that the, the, the all good captains. Um, but I just feel like Morgi, the balance that he got right with on off the field, with the team, with the way he wanted to play, how clear he was, um, how understanding he was, I just think he's the best. Um, everything you're looking for in a captain, he revolutionised the game. Our white ball team, we've got we've got scores in early 500. You know, in the top three or four scores, England's all up there, up there from the way that Owen Morgan set up the team up and wanted to play. Um, and I think now, you know, other teams are now trying to copy the way that we play and go about things. And, you know, all these great players that have come through, Josh Butler, Jason Roy, Ben Stokes, they're all come through under Morgie's sort of leadership in the way that he's allowed people to play with that freedom, express themselves, that no fear attitude and creating a team culture. Morgie did that. I know that we've had different coaches, but Morgie did that. And for me, that's why he's the best. He created something He's done something no one else did in, in English cricket when we struggled in one-day cricket. And he brought home the trophy that we've never been able to win. So for me, he's the best. Can't argue. You can't argue the way he completely transformed and changed. Arguably, the way English cricket looked at the white ball. Um, but he's gone. And now, how does England carry this on? Obviously, Joss or... A mowing or whoever takes on the next step of of this of this unbelievable juggernaut of, of white ball group, how hard is not only is that going to be, um, because you haven't got that comfort blanket of a captain that you can keep falling back on, um, and but how important is it that you go on to fulfil what potentially could be a, another double winning World Cup, which is twenty overs and fifty overs, largely because of what Owen Morgan has set you. Yeah, we want to have a sort of legacy as a team. And Mogi obviously has called time on that, on his part. But as a team, I still feel like there's a lot of lads together um, that started on that change of mindset and change of team. So we'll be hoping to do that. And um, whether it is, you know, Joss Moore, whoever. I mean, I've been coaching your lad, Harmi, at the number 13. So I'm ready to step into some sort of leadership role if the one is. But uh, I'm, not <laughs> sure, I'm not sure they'll have my name in there. He got, he got, <laughs> four, he got 48 with that bat you gave him the other day. So you've been teaching him something about the bat, never mind the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Champion. Um, but look, I think, you know, with whoever comes in next, we'll be on to carry that forward. You know, Joss carries a huge amount of respect. He's stepped in when um, Morgie hasn't been there or he's been injured. And he's always, you know, 
spoke really well, had similar sort of mentality and, and clear plans. And again, he's another one who's very level, sees the game for what it is. And obviously, we keep wanting to push the boundaries and get better and better and better. And I don't think that'll ever stop when you've got people like Moby, Josh Butler. These lads are, are trying to push the game further and further. So um, I can't see that stopping or, or being any different, to be honest. I think the group will remain tight. It's just very, I guess, sad in a way that we're losing the guy that, that started it all and, and who we probably, a lot of the lads in the team see as well, our real leader, you know. Mm. But um, it's time, you know, everybody has a time limit and, and now it's time for someone else to step in that role and they couldn't have had a better example than Moggy. Talking about stepping into a role, just to change tack a little bit to the Red Bull game, how how impressed have you been from young Potts, Durham lad, to go in and hit the ground running with all the injuries of fast bowlers that, that have been, been um, obviously it's well documented, the fast bowling injuries we've got at this minute in time, but how impressed has it been from to see young Potts go and where are you when it comes to you know the next step of, of moving forward, getting fit? So impressed with, with Potty, I feel like as a bowler, you know, I thought that it may take a bit of time bedding in, in international cricket, but actually he's took to it like a duck to water straight away. He's, he's, he's been a monster. He's never missed his length. He's looked threatening. He's, I mean, the consistency is probably the thing that's impressed me the most. He's been consistent at people. And to finish as the, the highest weighty, I think that's a huge, you know, taking his box against the best team, test team in the world. You know, can he back it up now against India? Can he back it up later on? Because now you think, well, with all the injuries, if everybody was available, where would he fit in? He's got the shirt, he's got the place. You can't leave him out now. I mean, he's done phenomenally well um, until you know, maybe you know maybe conditions say that we might need something else. But he's got to keep his spot for me, um, and you know he's done fantastically well. And someone that the challenge of an India, the challenge of a South Africa, which will you know be totally different. I think I don't see why he can't rise to it the way that he started in this series. Uh, oh, sorry, and in terms of me, um, I've started bowling off my ro- long run again. I mean, I'm strapped with, like the bionic man at the minute. Um, <laughs> I'm strapped just about everywhere. But um, coming back, it's just happening a bit slower than I would have liked. The elbow is obviously still a little bit raw and things like that at the minute. But to be back off my full run, I was on the speed gun the other day, 85, 88. So good, but still a little bit to go. Um, whether I can back it up spell after spell, that's obviously the next challenge. Um, I took Ashington's... Um, pro, the Afghanistan pro down to, to training with me and let's just say, I, I mean, I'm trying to get back and just, you know, groove my way in second ball went over my head, third ball went, um, I had to go and fetch my ball third ball and walk about 100 metres across the square, I was like, mate I'm trying to get my confidence up here so, um, Eunice only knows I'm, I'm one way sure to play inviting them back. Exactly. Eunice only knows one way to play, Mark, we wish you well on recovery to getting back fit and thank you for your kind words on, what is a sad day because Owen Morgan is, is retired from international cricket but a celebratory one as well, a World Cup winning captain thanks for joining us Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Manu. In the end, it happened extremely quickly. England almost effortlessly knocking off the 133 still required when play began in little over an hour. And yet again, the New Zealanders put to the sword by Johnny Bairstow. Q Bairstow crashing his way to England's second fastest 50 in Test cricket history and ending things with a six off spinner Michael Bracewell on 71 from just 44 balls in what turned out to be a comfortable England victory in Leeds. I knew that everyone would buy into the new mentality that 
me and Brendan wanted out of this team, but didn't think it would go this well. That's all we've really tried to do. The skipper's taken them on a journey. I've tried to fill some gaps where they were needed, um, but the guys have really bought into it, and um, you know they've they've been able to get instant gratification for that change, which doesn't always happen. Sensational. I couldn't have asked for anything more from anybody else. You know, throughout the whole team, it gives this team the most amount of satisfaction, and and I think it. For some of the individuals within the group, it's how their talent comes out um, quickest and, and best. So, yeah, it's fun anyway. We'll take it for now. England Chess captain Ben Stokes and new head coach Brenda McCullum reflecting on another remarkable test victory. Uh, England become the first team ever to chase down 250-plus targets in the fourth innings in three consecutive test matches. And they made it look ridiculously easy, Harmy. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we'll be looking back and reflecting on this test series with, in awe for years to come. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I think the way Ben and Brendan have gone about their message, driving their message in the way that they've wanted to play cricket, um, is something special. And it seems as though from 2015, Owen Morgan did something to completely transform and change the way English cricket seen the white ball. Maybe in the last month we've had something similar, and time will tell whether we've had something similar to completely change the the way we look at the red ball by Brendan McCullum and, and Ben Stokes. You've got to have the players to do it, like Owen Morgan did. And I think Ben is starting to give instill belief in this group that you know there's a win from anywhere. They've had their, their element to look. Stokes is no ball, the no ball situation in the first test. If that that goes the other way, then you, you you arguably thinking that you know we wouldn't be sitting here having the same same conversation. But I think Ben believes he can win from anywhere, and I've watched two test matches closely. This one not as not as as close, but it seems as though he's not only got a team that's with him and believing the message that he's driving, they're actually going out there and executing it. And in Root and Bairstow, especially in that middle order, two senior players who should be standing up, who haven't, you know, Root has over the course of the last two years. We've got two players now who are, you know, banging form and I can't wait next week to see what the next level of challenge would be because India will be a different animal altogether. Okay, well, talking of messages, this is uh, what Ben Stokes had to say after the Test match. These last three games, have, well, they should have sent the message to, to people who aspire to play Test cricket for England over the next, I don't know, two, three years at least. And I would say it's it's the manner and the way that you're going to play, whether that be with ball or bat in your hand. Um, not necessarily your stats or or anything like that. It's it's the manner that you play is probably going to be first and foremost on selectors' minds, I guess, because all we want to do is, you know build on this and it's not just about us at the moment it's about the future as well um, and what I think we've done over the last three weeks is make people enjoy watching test cricket again you know I'll always say if we were on the wrong side of the results of these games but they played out the same way but we had lost I would have walked off very very happy captain with the way that everybody's applied themselves the attitude that they've given to every single day every single session every single hour of these three test matches so um, I would like to think that the people watching know what they sort of have to do to, to try and bang the door down and get in this team. Fascinating stuff from Ben Strokes. Before you comment on that, Harmy, let's just also remind ourselves of what Brendan McCullum said after the Test match about about the level of aggression that uh, England played with. 
I hope we take it too far because then we'll know exactly where that line is. I think you know, until you do that, you're not really sure. So I think we've seen it with the England white ball stuff. There's been times where they've probably pushed a little bit too hard at times and, and then they know. And I think it'll be the same with us and we've just got to keep exploring what that line is. Um, but it's not just about batting either, I think. You know, if we look at how we've fielded and look at how we've bowled as well, some of the field placements that the skippers had in, uh, had in place and, and the mentality that the guys have had is constantly to try and chase wickets. Even yesterday when there was a partnership established between Mitchell and, and Blundell, um, maybe in the past in times there might have been a, a slight, um, I guess, uh, unease about uh, the, the total which was building up, but we kept attacking. The fields were very attacking right throughout. The bowlers kept trying to, to bowl towards mode dismissal and to me that's, that's part and parcel of how this team wants to play. Extraordinary stuff. It's intimidating. Um, so Brendan McCullum would rather the team was too aggressive, and I just want to um, clear up that we're not talking about swearing at the opposition. We're talking about uh, being aggressive with field placings and, and bowling strategies and tactics and, and with the bat in particular. So he, he'd rather... He, what he's saying is that he'd rather England were too aggressive and, and fall flat on the face and then bring it back. Um, they almost did. They were 55 for six. Uh, it's just... I can't get my head around it. It's intimidating, Harmy. It is. It's and it is. It's great to watch. I must admit, I keep getting people say to me, oh, "Do you miss playing? Do you miss playing?" And I go, "No, I don't." When I look at it, it hurts too much. I tell you what, this last month I've missed playing because this is the sort of environment I would have loved and thrived on because I had no interest in runs per over. I had no interest on scoreboard pressure or anything like that. The only thing I wanted to do whenever I had ball in hand, I just wanted to take wickets. I wanted to take wickets for the team because that was my job. And I love trying to sort of be play exciting and be exciting and bowl quickly and, you know, bounces and everything to get people on the edge of their seats. Didn't always work. There was times where I'd go at eight and nine and over and, Captain would have to take me out for at least two hours. I would love to have played in this environment because I think when you've got the mentality like what Ben and Brendan have got, there are times, and we are going to have times, we're going to sit on this programme and say that was not embarrassing, but we're going to have people phoning in, tweeting in, or going, that was embarrassing this week. It was poor. You see the way these dismissals are weird. They give their weight. It's a weird. Sorry, you can't have that what we've just had over the course of the last month and not have, you know, the, the sometimes what could be a negative side, which would be we do fall flat in our face. We do make mistakes. We do get beat by dismissals and or bowling where we haven't we haven't hit our straps and we're going all around the park and it has been you know the, the wrong you know the complete opposite to what we've got. We're gonna have to put up with that because if we keep driving this message which Ben and Brendan are we're going to we're going to win more games than we lose and I think that is something that is so encouraging for me watching um, and long may it continue because we have had it tough in the last few few sort of weeks uh, oh, sorry months and you know a couple of years and I think I think this has been a, a quite a breath of fresh air there's a strange thing about sport and, and sports people is that they always talk about bad luck, but they never talk about good luck. It's like the golfer always talks about the bad bounce that he yeah. got. Um, they never talk about the, the lucky bounce that uh, they got. And and that's okay. That's fair enough. But I, I must say, I got the impression that <laughs> England did have the rub of the green in these three test matches. They did, and you have to work hard for that. And I think if you push the the limit, the boundary limit, which is to try and be as positive as you possibly can, there are going to be 50-50 times in a game where because you are so 
sort of front foot um, and ultra aggressive in the game, then you do need things go your way. And they have done this week, last week and the week before. But I think they've earned the right for it to go that way because of the way they've, the, the nature and the way they've played. I think New Zealand have been a, a tad unlucky, but I, I still think England 1-11 to has outplayed New Zealand in large proportions of this of this test series. Um, it reminds me, go, going back to, you know, trying to think during my time, what this week or this month has been like. And I remember in 2004, we won seven test matches in a row. In, I think, three of them against New Zealand and the West Indies, we chased over 240, 250, and even more. I think we chased 270 at Old Trafford once. And I'm looking back at that and I think, you know what? What place that took us. We came back, the, the Vaughan side went to the Caribbean and then came back, went and won all summer at home, went to South Africa and won after the first team in a way to win away after apartheid, then to win in 2005. And it was built on something special like the seven wins at home. And we had fourth innings chases, a lot similar to what, if not quite as much, but not, you know, very, very similar to what Ben and Brendan have just had from a team point of view. And the transformation of the team from NASA through to Michael was huge. And I just wonder if we were on to something very, very special here. And it would be great to, to have that, especially with the Nashers coming around the corner as well. We should talk about Zach Crawley. I mean, he's probably the only player who's not in form um, at the moment. But then it strikes me that he's uh, he is very, very much a Brendan McCullum type player. And uh, I guess the coach is, is going to back him and back himself to to get his form right. And uh, so he'll play. Yeah, I think he's going to play. I don't think there's any any question. You could argue Brooke has is ready to play, and he is probably is ready to play. But can you can you chuck an opening bat, um, a middle order batsman into opening against India? Um, I know India haven't sort of played a great deal of cricket, but I think the way that Ben and Brendan have backed Jack Leach, the way that they both backed Ollie Pope, you're our man. Both years are you're a man. You've you, you, we're going to put you in dif- difficult positions, um, and we're going to ba- back you and believe in you. And I think that's born to fruition. So I think they will back him again. My only worry is that I looked at Zach walking off second innings at Headingley, and I thought just had a I just had a thought that's he he, he knew he, he was out before he was he was out before he was in, and sometimes. There's a fine balance between backing somebody because of sentiment and everything that goes with it. But also you can take somebody out the firing line, just give them a little bit of a break and bring them back later on in the summer. Whether that's the right time or not, it looked as though that could be the right the right thing to do. But on the other hand, the way that these guys have backed Pope and, and Leach, especially coming into two challenging places, I don't see Ben or Brendan making a decision to say, right, Zach, you're not going to play this week. They would have brought another opener into the squad. There isn't a one out there, I don't think, possibly Rory Burns. So from that point of view, I think they're going to stick with Zach Crawley till the end of this India test match. And then hopefully you can hear the faith that the guys have, have shown. I mean, you'll get a big score at, uh, at Birmingham. If not, then it could be a, an anxious sort of six weeks waiting for the selection for South Africa coming round the corner. Johnny Bairstow uh, scored, scored now 400 um, in the last seven months. I don't know which innings was better, Trent Bridge or Headingley. Uh, but, I mean, all of them have been remarkable. This is what, what Johnny had to say afterwards. 
we're definitely looking at it in a different a different way of going out and being able to express ourselves, uh, going out and being able to take the game forward, um, and hopefully be able to play in ways in which you're able to change games. You, you need people to stand up and change games or win games. That's how you win games of cricket. Whether it be a bowler taking five for six for seven for, whether it be guys scoring hundreds, they're the bits in which you need people to stand up and in different scenarios, situations and circumstances. Well, the bad news for England, Tommy, is that uh, Johnny Bairstow has never been more established. His place has never been more secure. He's never had less to prove to anybody. So how's he going to cope with that now? I was, was going to say, yeah, that's, that's Johnny in a bad place, to be honest, because <laughs> I want to question him every single time. He's not very good. He shouldn't be in the side. Johnny Bairstow shouldn't be in the side for next week. Because every time we say that, or somebody says that, I don't think we say it, because I, I think we all, by and large, love Johnny and think you know, that he's very, very underrated, undervalued in this in the England especially in the Red Bull team but every time somebody does question his place he comes out and bangs 100 a little bit like Stuart brother Stuart Broad with a ball so oh look he's been magnificent he has he really has I've chuffed the bits for him and when when you see him play the way he has done with freedom you just wonder you know, what was in the thought process of messing the guy around this guy was he was batting at seven batting at seven keeping wicket in a great place then all of a sudden you try to mess him around and he went from three to four to five, all the way up and down the order. Um, and he's now he's now found a coach and a captain who has basically said, right, Johnny, pick that bat up and go and hit the ball. Hit the ball, the red ball, exactly the same way as he hit the white ball. And boy, has he has he <laughs> you know, paid faith. And it's been brilliant to watch and brilliant to see. And to go and chase what he did at Trembridge was special. But he showed the other side of him, 55 for six. When he walked out, how he didn't get mad at the match, I don't know. I, as much as I love Jack Leach and getting getting ten wickets was great. I'm a bowler, but at 55 for six, England were out the game, no chance of winning the game. And all of a sudden, it was a, a great partnership with Jamie Overton and, and and Johnny did something that a lot of people questioned, which was, you know, Johnny gets runs when things are going well. Is does, is Johnny up for the fight? Is is when it's tough and it's really tough? You know, where's Johnny at? Well, I'll tell you what. He showed them on that first innings at Henley, and it was absolutely magnificent. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look back at England's 3-0 test series clean sweep over New Zealand. But next up, we'll uh, talk about Jack Leach's performance and uh, look at where it went wrong for the tourists. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. 
To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Silly points slip in place. And he's bowled him! Absolute beauty by Jack Leach. My biggest thing is having belief in myself and and I think that's what uh, Ben and Baz have really helped me with and it looks like that's starting to pay off. That's a great dressing room to be involved in. Um, everyone's so full of belief. You kind of realise in the long format of the game where the teams I've played in, the way I've thought, you know, a lot of your decisions are made around negativity and I think actually this... Uh, new way, if you like, is um, extremely positive. It's a great squad to be involved in, and I've been very welcomed. So, yeah, it's a great place to be involved in, and it just brings out the best in yourself, really. Jack Leach and Jamie Overton there reflecting on a, a remarkable test match. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 in the Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Leach, 10 for Harmy. He didn't look like uh, taking very many wickets in the Caribbean, did he, um, a short while ago? And uh, here he is um, knocking them over. I mean, did he bowl. <laughs> There's no such thing as a lucky ten foot, and I'm, mm. you know. Obviously, uh, he, I mean, he wasn't. It wasn't a spectacular ten foot, was he? It wasn't until ripping it sideways. He bowled some very good deliveries, which deserved wickets. But he would have bowled better and taken fewer. Yeah, he would have bowled. Yeah, definitely. I think that's. I think we can say that with um, confidence. That I think Jack's not going to get carried away. But I think the carried away he needs to be is. His, his captain believed in him. His captain said, you're up, you're my man, which took a huge amount of weight off his shoulders. And I think from that, I think Jack deserves a lot of credit. You know, got to remember, he knocked himself out in the first test. There was always clamour for Parkinson to play in both test matches. And then there was a lot of talk about not giving the captain control. Well, I thought he'd give him a little bit more control, and I think that's how he got his, he got his wickets. Bowled nearly 40 overs in that first innings, you know, five for 100. He probably would have liked a, a few more maidens in that, um, and I still think that's where he, he, he can get better, at bowling maidens and giving the control from from one end so that you can rotate the seamers, especially in, in that first innings, and then he comes into his own second innings. And I thought he did that second innings. I thought he, he got the ball to spin. I thought there was you know, was quite a good turn throughout the test match for for the spin bowler and I think it's again somebody that's benefited from the management's mentality of well you're my man you know, no matter what anybody says Matt Parkinson noise from outside you're my man I'm sticking by you um, you're going to play this week you're going to play next week you're going to play the week after and I think because of that I think we've seen a little bit more of Jack Leach. I think we've been seeing a little bit more of Jack Leach in, in, in all facets, which is being able to give a little bit more control, especially in that third test match. And then 
you know, his ability to take wickets. And yeah, he was helped out, but which spinner isn't helped out when you get a bag of 10 wickets? So, you know, fair play to him. I was really pleased for Jack. He works, he works so, so hard. He is Mr. He is the team, the ultimate team man in that group. Um, for wherever you chuck him to bat, whether he goes in at night, watchman at three and gets bashed about a bit, or whether he, 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 he has to bowl when there's not spinning in the first innings. But this time, when the question marks were on, because he hasn't done it, in previous times, in on, on fourth innings, sorry, on third innings, or to sort of set the game up to win the match, um, he's done that, and that will be a huge, not only a huge relief to him, huge relief to the captain, but it'll give him a huge amount of confidence going on into his career, especially with a subcontinent tour coming up round the corner. Um, I was I was chuffed to bits that he got the wickets he got because it will give him it will give him so much, but it'll also give confidence to to the captain as well that you know we can throw the ball in the first innings to Jack he can sit at one end rotate seamers, and then you know hopefully in the in the in the, in the third innings or the fourth innings the confidence of taking a five wicket haul in a winning cause um, Jack will be able to grow and feed off that. Amidst all the talk about spinners and Matt Parkinson and, uh, you know, the exciting option of leg spinners, Jack has uh, clearly just focused on what he does and and what he does best. And uh, he hasn't listened uh, or taken much notice of uh, of the speculation. Yeah, no, I've, I've got too much to think about. Like, I'm just trying to give it as good a go as I can and do a good job for the team if they want, if, if people want to play and then great like um, and obviously they're going to pick the best team they can um, for England and and it's my job to just try and take care of me and and try and put myself in the best position to be in that team Um, I can't control anything else really well more noise that uh, might be coming Jack's way if he well, he's not going to listen to it. But there'll be talk. You mentioned the subcontinent tours coming up, Harmy. There'll be uh, there'll be talk about Moeen Ali and uh, whether he plays now that he's unretired from Test cricket and where he fits in. Obviously, Moe's batted everywhere from. <laughs> he's open, doesn't he? He's yeah. batted everywhere from one to nine in the Test team. So uh, again, I guess Jack will just have to put his e- his earmuffs on and, <laughs> and carry on focusing on himself. Absolutely. And that's all he can do. He can't worry about whether Moe's coming in or you know what Matt Parkinson's doing. Are we going to go back to, to try and get Adil Rashid out of retirement to play test match cricket? But if England do need two spinners and they're going to pick an, an, another spinner that, that, that could come into the equation, then especially if they're, if we are looking at over the course of the next year that we're only going to play two spinners once, which would be in Pakistan, then it might just be, it might fit everybody's timeline for Moen to come back um, because he's not going to go beyond that. He's not going to play in the summer. So it fits nicely and it fits in with Jack as well because if Leach, Jack Leach still keeps getting wickets and all of a sudden you're bringing just a second spinner in for that one tour like we, we would normally do anywhere. And why not bring Moen back in? Moen bats at number eight, play your two seamers, you've got your two spin bowlers and you've got Ben Stokes, captain and, and third seam all-rounder. And you've got to remember as well, Broaden Anderson won't go, I don't think, will go to Pakistan. Um, so Neither have, of them? I don't think, I, I think, I think Broad might go. If if I was picking it, I think you look at it, you'd think possibly Broad might go. You've got to remember New Zealand's on the horizon as well. So, 
I think if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, I wouldn't want to flog Broder Anderson and waste the times going to Pakistan. Go with two quick bowlers if Woods fit. Overton's chucked his hat in the ring. Potts, I still think Cars can do a job, would do possibly a job in Pakistan. And then when it comes back to New Zealand and more traditional conditions from an English point of view, Broden Anderson walks straight back in the team for that. So I think it's about utilising what you've got and your skill sets that you've got. And I think that would be you know, a little bit more common sense. So Leach and Moen for your two spin option, options, you've two seamers, and then you've got Ben Stokes to, to sort of to sort of marry the, to balance the, the attack up. And if you're smart, you'll be able to get your two fast bowlers primed and fit and ready to go for Pakistan Test Series. And then when New Zealand comes around the corner, well, Moen will be off back off to play PSL. Leach is your one spinner. And you're Broden, you're Broden Anderson, after having a little bit of a break after the end of a, a long, hard summer, get ready for sort of February, March, go, to go again um, in in more flavourable conditions for, for, for the scene bowlers. So common sense, really. Um, and I think because of that, I think it, it's quite that would be quite a good thing for Jack Leach as well. OK, on the subject of uh, New Zealand, a lot of people talking about uh, how they underperformed, but um, <laughs> they scored 550 um, and and still managed to lose the first test match. Daryl Mitchell, though, 300s in three test matches. He added over 600 runs in the series with uh, Tom Blundell. Uh, they did lose two big players, but all-rounders in Colin de Grandhomme and uh, Kyle Jameson. So, you know, a Trent Bolt also um, produced a brilliant opening spell in the third test match, which uh, is sort of left under has gone under the radar a little bit because of England's victories. Uh, this was um Kiwi Black Caps batting coach Luke Ronke talking about Daryl Mitchell's remarkable form. I think mentally he's just been really positive in what he's trying to do. He, he knows his, his game style and his game plan and he's sticking to it. He trusts it. Um, I think throughout every innings. I mean he's also he's been quite lucky early on in a couple of innings, uh, but then it hasn't sort of changed his mindset he's gone out there and said right I'm, I'm confident in what I've got and what I'm doing and, and what they're going to try and bowl at me uh, and it's shown he's just been a standout there the entire series so far do you know what it strikes me as Harmy it's uh, he's a mature player Daryl Mitchell he's, he's played first class cricket for over a decade and um, there was just that uh, he played almost like with the realisation that this could be it this is my chance I'm lucky to get it because of injury, and I am going to take it. I um, mean, you know, he's—you wouldn't say that he's a—he's special numbers, an incredible series. Um, you wouldn't say that he was a special a player in any way, um, but it's just a senior player. This is it. This is the chance that I've been waiting for all my career, and I'm going to take it. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And he, what he what he did was he, he's quite a simple. It's quite a simple technique. He, he picks his bat up straight and he tries to hit the ball straight back down past the bowler. He doesn't try and hit it sort of funky through mid-wicket or you know, big sort of expansive wide of sort of extra cover. He hits a big drive. He goes hard at the ball, big drive. But more often than not, it's, it's to the sort of left or the right of the stumps, which means he's got more of a chance of getting a, a fuller face of bat on it if the ball moves. Um, and he's he's obviously got a lot. There's a lot less can go wrong in that front if you start trying to big big expansive drives through extra cover. You try and whipping it through mid wicket, and if the ball moves, all of a sudden, especially in England, you get 
you, you expose the outside edge, or the inside edge. So I thought he batted beautifully. Um, he wasn't going to play in that first test match if it, if it wasn't for Henry Nichols and, and COVID. And sometimes you get a bit like Johnny, you question mark on place. All of a sudden, they're the ones that, that come good for you. But I don't think New Zealand could do too much more. I think they had similar frailties to what England had at the top of the order where they got off to the odd little start, but not you know, running away with you know, with sort of one, two and three. And I think if anything, where the difference between the two sides were, and I think I think that's where England exposed the, the one, two, three of, of New Zealand a lot more. Um, this lack of spin bowling option for New Zealand will probably be something that over the course of the three test matches they'd look at and think, that that's where we were lacking a little bit, but you ask a, a side to chase two seventy five <laughs> on fourth innings on fifth day. More often than not, you win. Unfortunately, for two <laughs> games they've lost, and that testament to the Ben Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum message. And there are there are times you just have to doff your cap and say, Do you know what, we couldn't have done any more. They've played out their skin and they've beat us. And if you give, like I said before, 275 on a fourth innings on a last day and somebody goes and gets it, then look, yeah, you've just got to say well played to the opposition and England were that good. Yeah, people say that uh, maybe this New Zealand team's coming towards the end of its cycle, that it's over the hill. Possibly. I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't think. I mean, they've got a couple of players in their 30s, but uh, that's it. Uh, I think they were just outplayed um, and they didn't get the rub of the green. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. OK, the rearranged test match, the fifth test match against India, will start on Friday at Edgebaston. And uh, here to talk about that is uh, former... IPL cricketer and regular TalkSport 2 commentator Abhishek Jujumwala. Abhishek, is there a certain amount of edge um, as far as the Indians are concerned about this test match? Um, as, I mean, it's not exactly a grudge match, but there is um, a feeling, I think, amongst the England supporters, if not players, that um, uh, that it should have been played last summer, this deciding match in the series. It should have been played last summer, to be honest, but... We all know the circumstances, what happened, and with the IPL being moved to the UAE and with the time frame, and apparently there was a lot of COVID uh, breakout in the Indian team as well, so they had to fly back. But yeah, it should have been continued last year, and it would have been great if India played the fifth test last year and we had the result. But again, yeah, it should be a good game of cricket. So much uh, to talk about. Um, I'll start with Rohit Sharma, who contracted COVID, seeing as he brought that subject yeah. up last, from last year. But um, So if he doesn't play, we hear that Jasper Boomer will captain the side. So yeah. fast bowlers captaining test teams is becoming in vogue. It is. It is becoming in vogue. And, and I think it's a good choice as well. He's been with part of the team for a long time and, and and he understands the game well. He I think they're looking at him as a leader as well. So probably that's what I just read. So it's not a, maybe it's not a, I'm not 100% sure if that's a confirmed news, but that's what I read that yeah, Bumrah is likely to captain if Rohit doesn't play the game. And it's a good thing. I think it's, it's a good thing as well. I was just thinking of his workload. I mean, he's yeah. multi-format um, and, uh, you know, he plays whenever India really need him to play. And I, I, But it wouldn't be a long-term thing, would it? No, I don't think it's a long-term thing because if you look at the history of Indian cricket, I don't remember the last time India has ever had a fast bowler as a captain. So I think it's one-off. But they couldn't go back to Virat because I don't think even if they wanted to, Virat will accept it. 
So I don't think Virat, Virat is a question. The next person you could think about is KL Rahul. And again, his does he have a guaranteed spot in the side? That's the big question. If he fails a couple of innings, are they going to start looking at others? So they couldn't go, go to KL for this test match. And with Rishabh Pant's form, where he's been, you know, there are talks that he might be dropped from the T20 World Cup side. Do you give him the captaincy? So I think Boomerah is the safest bet because he's somebody you're not dropping for at least for the next year, year and a half. If they're looking beyond Rohit Sharma, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at Boomerah. Okay, uh, Rishabh Pant not being in the T20 side is a subject that I would love to come back to you on and I'm sure that we will talk about that again in the future but sticking to the test match um, what about reborn England I mean India oh you know what is there such a thing as underdone anymore I mean you know teams are are, are routinely playing test series without warm-up games of of any serious consequence but but England I mean it is (laughs) does look like a reborn team three incredible test matches against New Zealand a new leadership um, and so they'll, they'll be coming into the test match pretty red hot yeah, I think they'll be very red hot and also most of the players are in form as well. And as you said, it's a great combination of aggression and at the same time, I think it works really well between Brendan McCullum and Stokes. They're doing a wonderful job. The brand of cricket, they're playing a completely new brand of cricket. And so far, so good. But I, I just, I still feel that, you know, it's one test match where if the, the brand of cricket they're playing, it doesn't click, it could backfire very easily. But that's, that's for... Another time, we'll have to wait and watch. But so far, it's been brilliant for England cricket. So you're saying it's all or nothing. It's 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 high it, risk, it, high reward. Yeah, at the moment, it seems like that. That it's been high risk, high reward. Yeah, two of two of the best test innings I've seen in recent in recent times from Johnny Bairstow, and he gave a lot of credit to the IPL. And as we discussed earlier, he's been playing IPL for four years. So probably that's the time frame you're looking at for anybody to transform IPL cricket <laughs> into Test match cricket. But yeah, I don't think if he can carry on batting like that for a long time in Test cricket. Do you think we're challenging conventions that have been accepted for probably a century? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that, it's not that long because obviously um, one day cricket's only... 50 years old but yeah. but there are many many conventions about test cricket that that this England team and, and a few others before Australia maybe 10 years ago challenging those per- perceptions I think with Australia it was again Australia had some of the best players we have seen in the last so many years and yeah they, they played a very aggressive form of cricket and they were scoring at 4 and, and over and, and we were sco- all yeah, we were, oh yeah we were all like taken aback like how can you score 4 and over in test cricket and they, I think they bought that positivity to Test cricket, and England now is taking it to a different level. They're trying to score f- more than four runs an over in Test cricket and batting very, very aggressively. And especially Johnny Bairstow in the last couple of Test matches, the way he has batted has just been unbelievable. But again, when there is assistance of the pitch, when the ball's turning, they're playing in different conditions where there's a bit more for the bowlers in that in the pitch. Can you still get away by playing the shots you are playing, the short selection, and and the brand of cricket you're playing? I have a bit of a doubt there. Yeah, there's a feeling that they might fall flat on their faces. <laughs> and you know what? At 55 for six um, yeah. in the third test against New Zealand, they came very close. Yeah. And then an extraordinary rescue attempt. You mentioned Virat Kohli, the captain. What about Virat Kohli, the batsman? And another one, senior player, Chiteshwa Pujara, who seemed to have lost his place, um, got a contract to play championship cricket with Sussex yeah. and absolutely yeah. killed it. I mean, absolutely. you know, and, and so he, he will probably play and he owes his recall, I guess, um, to county cricket. Is that the way you yeah. see it? 
Yeah, I think 100%. And he did, as you said, an exceptional job when he came over. And that was the right move from his part as well. They're playing a test match. He knew that if he doesn't get runs, he needs runs behind him to be a part of this squad. Because there's so many players in India, as you know, they can have three different teams. And they're still, you cannot question anyone's, uh, do they deserve to play international cricket? Most of them would say yes, because they've got the numbers, they've done well in all Ranji Trophy, they've done well in the IPL. So there's so many players waiting for their opportunity. And if Chiteshwar Pajara is not on top of his game, given that he's not young anymore, I think this this could be his last opportunity. But I, I just feel that he deserves one more opportunity. Would Jadeja and Ashwin possibly play? And who would would that mean one of them batting six, seven? Yeah, I think Jadeja has done a wonderful job in the last few years as a batter. He's averaging, I think, close to 50, if I'm not wrong as a batter and so you can play him number six or seven as pure batter and what he brings with the ball if there is a bit of assistance in the pitch we all know what he can do he, uh, he could be lethal and with our Ashwin I, I, I don't think India is going to play two spinners I think they, they might just go with one but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see and who are the four seamers um, uh, at the front of the queue yeah I mean uh, Shardul Thakur has done an exceptional job in the last series I mean it'll be very silly to drop him He's done it with the bat. He's got he's got India teams of wickets when they need it under pressure. So I think it's going to be Umesh Yadav, Shardul, Shami and Bumrah. And if they go with three paces, then yeah, you've got two spinners. And Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad yeah. uh, reunited, having been left out of the touring squad, uh, <laughs> yeah. squad to the Caribbean. Uh, they said they wouldn't bowl together and they have and they're still producing the goods. Yeah, they will. They're, they're quality. Two of the best fast bowlers we have seen in test cricket for the last decade or so so you cannot ever count them out and especially when they're playing in England when the conditions are in their favour they know every pitch like the back of their hand they know exactly what length to bowl where to pitch the ball <laughs> which soil is going to move they probably know everything about there is to know in test cricket in this country and yeah, when you have that much quality I think it's yeah you've got to play them together Especially if they're only playing one test against India and where they have chance to draw the series. I, I don't think they want India to win a series in England. So, yeah, you've got to play both of them. And um, if India avoid defeat or win the test match and win the series, which captain goes up to accept the trophy? <laughs> we discussed about this earlier as well. I think it has to be Rohit Sharma, unfortunately, because you cannot say, oh, just because... Virat was the captain when they were touring last year. He deserves to go out there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. If Rohit asks him to go and take the trophy because he's done the hard work, he's won those two matches. But will Rohit leave their opportunity being the captain, winning in England for the first time? I'm, not, I'm not sure. And final question: um, India were playing a T20 series against South Africa when the main Indian team were preparing to come over to England for the Test match and a series of one-day games as well. Is that something that we are going to come become used to? The T20 team also playing, of course, in Ireland. Yeah. Currently, there are 34 Indian players on national duty. Is that? It's unprecedented, but will it will it set a precedent that will remain in future? I think that's what the BCCI secretary has said that. Uh, going forward we will be playing a couple of uh, two countries at the same time or there would be a one day team or a T20 side touring somewhere else and a test team touring somewhere else so I wouldn't count that out completely and also if you look at those 34 names you'll look at the you'll go through that list and you'd be like 
all of them actually deserve to play for There's the country. There's none that's lucky to be there. Yeah, none of them is just you can say they're, they're just pot luck. They are there because they've all done the hard yards and they've all all got performance uh, behind them. So all of them deserve to be a part of the national side in some way or the other, some form or the other. The big three nations might have the depth to sustain yes. that. The problem comes when if if it if it becomes uh, normal practice for the other teams to. to partake in T20 qualification tournaments or, or whatever yeah. they are um, yeah. because that the depth doesn't exist in, in some of the other test playing countries. Yeah, I think when we're talking about this kind of depth, we're only talk, we're looking at three nations, to be honest, at the moment. It's England, India and Australia. And I don't see beyond these three countries who can afford to have 30-odd players who, who can play international cricket at the same time. Certainly, I can't see South Africa and New Zealand... Ha- having another team of 15 playing a bilateral series somewhere else, uh, you would know a lot better than me about the depth of South African cricket in terms of how many players are there and, and how, what kind of a bench strength they have. But yeah, beyond these three countries, I, I, and even sometimes, even these three countries will struggle to field that many players playing in two different parts of the world. If South Africa could recall their players who are playing for other countries, yeah. they might be able to put together yeah. a pretty good B team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Final thoughts on the Test match then? How do you see it going? Give us a give us a little a little prediction. Yeah, I think it'll be a very difficult Test match for India. I, I if I had to put my money on it, I think England would England would make life very difficult for India. And yeah, the way they are playing at the moment, the brand of cricket they are playing, and the form they are in, I I would say chances of England winning the Test match is a lot higher than India's. That was uh, TalkSport 2's Abhishek Jujnawala talking about the Test match coming up. So, two quick ones for you to harm to, uh, to finish the show. Uh, Sam Billings has been added to the squad. If Ben Folks doesn't recover from COVID, uh, does Billings play? Um, or does does Johnny Bairstow get given his wicketkeeping gloves back? And talking of wicketkeepers, what about the speculation that Josh Butler could fit in to uh, Baz McCullum and Ben Stokes' test team as an opening batter? Yeah, it was an interesting one from Kumo Sangakara. That was a bit left, no, not so much left field, but there was a few more piped up and jumped on the band, bandwagon of Joss Butler opening the baton. Uh, not for me, I don't think. Um, I think if the selection panel thought about Joss Butler coming back in, I think you would have seen him as a replacement during that test match and then potentially playing in um, the Birmingham test match as a wicketkeeper. Um, for Ben Folks, uh, but I think that the selections of Sam Billens is telling you that they see I mean, Billens next in line when it comes to the keep, and, and I think they've not drawn a line through Joss Butler, but the way Butler's batting at the moment in white ball cricket, now probably going to be England's white ball captain. I wouldn't complicate matters by sticking him in, not only back in at number seven, keeping wicket, especially going and asking him to open the bat and I just think you know, a lot of people are putting two and two together getting five I think you still need somebody at the top of the order who will get you off to a, a, a solid start and I know Crawley's not doing that at this minute in time but he's a natural opening batsman you know, Joss is not in the red ball game we've got to remember this the red ball game and the white ball game is two completely different different games even though England are trying to play a positive with the red ball stuff Top of the order, one, two, three, is a very, very difficult place to bat sound techniques. Um, and Joss has been found wanting in 50-odd test matches. So, no, not for me. I, I wouldn't go down that road. I would leave him where he is, England's white ball captain, um, and let him be what he is now, the best white ball player in the world. Let's not complicate matters to bring him back in the team. 
We're out of time, but I can't resist the temptation to ask you, am I right in thinking that if Johnny Bairstow was offered the role as keeper... Oh, um, yeah. Uh, he and take it. Fight, he'd take it, wouldn't he? Oh, of course he would take it. Oh, you would take it, because I think I still think Johnny wants to keep wicket. Mm. Um, but as much as before this series, I wanted to get Ollie Pope in my side because I wasn't sure how it was going, and I wanted Bairstow to, to keep wicket over folks because I thought, from a run's point of view, we needed them in the middle and with Pope, um, the way Johnny's played, let's not complicate matters anymore, Johnny. <laughs> just go out and hit the ball. Okay. Forget for te- trying to catch it. Just go out and hit it. I think that ship sailed for the time being, especially the way he's batting. And he's a very good slipper, and England don't have yes. too many of those. So <laughs> just let, let him let him stand in the slip. So you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to reflect on the rearranged fifth test against India, amongst other things. But for now, you've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 